Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that we are not blind men and women groping around in the dark trying to figure out what your will and plans and purposes are for us. We thank you that in your uh, goodness and in your uh, mightiness, you have revealed so clearly to your people for all generations what your purposes and plans are. We thank you that you've clearly revealed to us your mission. You've set up for us values uh, that we should go about as a church in doing your mission. And we thank you that we can make purpo- uh, purposeful plans and form uh, godly strategies to do your work. And this morning, as we uh, finish off this sermon series and consider uh, the place and the value of uh, having a vision, and we pray that you will help us to see this not as a, a thing that the business world or even uh, just the human world thinks is a good idea, but you'll be able to see from your word and from your ways uh, why it is that having a vision is important for us as a church, uh, and indeed important for us individually uh, as your children. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's important to do a recap because I'm not sure who were here the last two weeks, and it really is a three-part thing, right? Having a mission, a value, having values, and having a vision. So let's have a quick look, right? In the last two weeks, we've heard a lot about these three things, MVV, mission, values, and vision. Uh, and mission is basically our overarching purpose, Right? The reason for our existence, both SLE as well as the church, right? in God's purposes and plans. Uh, and what we saw over the last couple of weeks is that the mission is entirely given by God. Right? It's revealed by Him. We don't make it up. And what we see as we look at the 66 books of Scripture and try to distill it, what's God's purpose for us as a church, it is to glorify Him by being and making disciples of Christ, right? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is God's eternal plan, right? All of God's achievements and purposes and promises center on the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's for us to become like Him, and to become like Him, we have to first become disciples of Jesus by believing and then maturing in Him to become more like Christ. And that's the purpose in terms of us reaching out to others, to draw people to Christ and then maturing them as believers. And so when we say that we are glorifying God, we're not just saying, you know, we're going to plant a tree to the glory of God or we're going to give some money to the poor for the glory of God. What we're really saying at the end of the day is that the ultimate way we give glory to God is by coming to Christ and growing in Him. Okay? By being a disciple ourselves and then making disciples of all nations. So our mission is to glorify God by, very important word, by, how? By being and making disciples of Christ. Now, the second thing we saw last week was the values. What is values? The values is the kind of principles and standards that we hold dear as we pursue our mission. Now, Pastor Steve has written uh, an extended kind of explanation of that at the end uh, of the, the back of the bulletin. So I want you to flip to it now because you're going to flip to it anyway. And I'm going to get you to put it away, okay, to read later on. And he explains to us where we get these values from, right? And we saw last week, uh, Steve gave us sort of 10 provisional values. These aren't set in stone yet. We're still discussing these. But it can be broadly kind of categorized, isn't it? The Word of God, central, especially understood in a gospel-centered expository way, where we take the meaning of the passage to to, uh, to, to be what God intended for it to be, and we try and figure out how the whole Bible points us to Christ and shows us the implications of Christ. Word of God, central. 
one value that all Christian churches ought to have. We saw that prayer, another part of it. Right? Prayer, it's like breathing for the Christian. It's like breathing for the church. It reflects our total dependence and reliance on God and is a way to commune with God, which is the reason why the apostles, when they set off on their mission, they focus on the ministry of the Word and prayer, and for good reason. The Word is when God speaks to us and shapes who we are, and prayer is for us to relate to Him and speak to Him. We saw that the third category was discipleship. Huge category, right? Discipleship. Discipleship is a huge value because Jesus says he's calling disciples, not converts. It's not easy believerism. It is not just saying the prayer. It is disciples. So to value discipleship is to value evangelism, right? Sharing the gospel with people. It is to value maturing young believers in their faith. It is to value growing leaders in the church who will then become disciple makers themselves. That's all under the category of discipleship. And finally, we saw that there are some distinctive values that we as an SLE church community hold based on our past and based on our present. The fact that we are an intergenerational church and we value that to be able to go from zero to 90 and beyond, to be able to minister to all ages and to have the interaction between all ages. Hopefully, beautifully expressed yesterday in bloom and will be expressed in the next grunt, God willing. Okay? We also value international ministry. Now, we talk a lot about international student ministry, but it's also clear that we value international migrant ministry for many decades as well. All right? So that's values. Now, no church can function properly without a mission and without a set of values. Right? It is, to have no clarity about mission and values is to be aimless and confused and ineffective. And we come together each week and we've got no idea what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it, it will kind of be just like a social club, right? Every church needs a mission and values. Now the question is then, what about vision? What about vision? What is vision and why do we need it? Now the way we're going to define vision here is uh, to ask the question, uh, what does God want SLE Church to become in the short to medium term? So let's give it some... uh, Time frame, say three to five years, right? Short to medium term. What does God want SLE Church to become in the short to medium term? Right? So mission, overarching purpose, overall agenda. Value shapes how we do the mission. So vision sets out specific goals that are to be achieved in a definite time frame. Okay? Goals to achieve within the time frame. You see that? So mission, overarching values is how... And vision is specific goals that we want to achieve in a specific defined time frame. It is what we need to become, to do our mission better, given the values that we have. So I'll give you an example, okay, to go away from the abstract. Let's say, let's assume that one vision element that we may have or that we will have is the vision to have clear, expository, gospel-centered teaching in every ministry of the church in the next three to five years' time, right? Clear, gospel, expository-centered preaching in every ministry within three to five years of the church's life. So what would this mean? This means that this vision is to be taken seriously. Everything that is taught by every single ministry in this church uh, will be clearly gospel-centered, 
and clearly driven by expository principles. Uh, it will also mean that every uh, it will mean that every preacher standing on this pulpit, it will mean that every Bible study leader that you have, it will mean that everyone who disciples someone doing Christianity Explained or doing one-on-one or, or whatever other ministry, Bloom, Grunt, it will be quite clear, it will be very clear that there is a gospel-centered, expository approach to teaching the Word of God. And it will be quite clear that every other way of understanding and teaching will play very little part in the ministry of this church. We're not necessarily saying that they are wrong or heretical, although we may share our concerns about those other ways of teaching. It'll be more that we promote, and because we believe very strongly, how God has revealed himself to us. That indeed, the Bible holds together with the gospel as the center, as heart, and the expository, being able to figure out what God means, what the authors mean, to take it what we mean, that's how we really believe that God speaks clearly. Can we see that? And that will filter through, which will mean that every preacher will be trained in that way, and any guest speaker who's invited will have to have that approach, and so on, right? The vision being played out will achieve something in three to five years' time. Now, another vision, one more example, another vision element might be that we continue to welcome uh, an international community, but that also we begin a fresh focus on local outreach. Okay, let's assume, that's a, that's a vision statement, right? Continue strongly an international focus, but begin a fresh local outreach right, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the suburbs around where we live and the workplaces where we work. Now, a vision element like that will mean continuing and improving our current ministry to migrants and international students. And if we look at the numbers here, we may mean we employ someone specialized to look after international ministry because it's such a big ministry. Right? And that the other pastors can focus on intergenerational ministry and, and the, the migrant work that's, that's already been going on. But if we're adding a new element you know, to our vision for local outreach, that it would mean some serious changes, wouldn't it? If we're serious about that vision element of f- a fresh uh, ministry to the local community, then we will have to seek new ways to reach out beyond our current demographic. Because as many of you know, it's been really hard, really hard, hasn't it, to reach out to people who are not Asian-faced, uh, because of the, the predominance of who we are, the way God has made us to be, in a way, who we are for now. To make those changes, we need to find new ways. Maybe to find a, a local church to partner with. Steve talked about that two weeks ago. Something like St. Lucia Bible Church or Christ Community Church. Friends, right, who have the same mindset as us. It might mean appointing a new pastor and having to save up for that, who is not Asian, to begin that work. It might mean people willing in the next three to five years, to plant yourself out, extract yourself out, and plant a new ministry, a new church uh, in the next three to five years. Can you see that? Vision elements lead to goals and change. Okay? Now, vision is a tool that we use. Uh, It is not given by God. It is not set and binding forever, which is why it's a three to five year plan that if it's not working, you change based on your mission and your values. Can you see that? Now, up until the middle of last year, pretty much June 2017 uh, is when uh, things changed. My life pre-June 2017 was a non-vision guy, right? I was the non-vision guy. I did not believe in vision statements. I don't think we needed it, and so we didn't have one, which is why for many, many decades, this sign has not changed, right? 
I don't see any relevance to that sign or any other sign that we put up with because I didn't believe in vision statements. I often said in the past, our vision is our mission. I will get you to say it with me. I said, I don't want you to, okay? I used to say, our vision is our mission. What need is there for a vision? All we need to do is to keep teaching God's word faithfully. All we need to do is to keep uh, evangelizing to our unbelieving family and friends. All we need to do is to keep doing the work of discipleship, training, and maturing believers. And all we need to do is just work harder and be more prayerful. It's not not, not rocket science. Uh, It's just simple. Just keep doing the mission. Keep being faithful. And if you ask me, it seems to have been working pretty well, right? Many of you think that? Right? It seems to have been going pretty well. The church has been growing. We've experienced great joy at seeing many come to faith over the decades. We've been encouraged by how young, young Christians have grown and matured and are serving. We're not perfect. We're far from it. We know that. <clears throat> but many of us feel like we've got a pretty good thing going. There are many contented SLE souls here. Great, right? That's great. There are many contented people. Praise God. Praise God that we can look back over the last few years and even decades and see that God has blessed us and grown us. So, you may be like me wondering, why do we need a vision? Our mission is our vision. Why do we need a vision? Just be faithful. Now, that's what I used to think. And I, would, I want to say to you that I've changed my mind. And I've changed my mind not really willingly. Right? I've been forced to change my mind because now I really believe in this, though I don't feel necessarily loving it, if that makes sense. But I'm convicted about it. I'm going to tell you why. You see, faithfulness doesn't mean we don't set goals and make plans. Let me say it again, right? Faithfulness doesn't mean we don't set goals and make plans. Faithfulness doesn't mean we don't strive for greater fruitfulness. You know the difference is? Faithfulness just means I, I do what I'm supposed to do. Fruitfulness means a mindset to want to produce things. Now, when you look into the scriptures and you look at how God talks about ministry, it's interesting and very telling the kind of metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the mission of the church. Right? Paul often talks about building up the church, the body of Christ. Uh, right? Sorry, I missed that one before. Why do we need it? Ephesians 4, right? To equip the, work, uh, the, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. He uses the metaphor of building up, building a building, many, many times. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul talks about how we plant seeds and then we water them, right? And he uses a lot of agricultural metaphors. So we've got building buildings and we've got planting gardens and vineyards and farms. And then talks about having a harvest and, and bearing fruit. These are all metaphors. And these are all metaphors that imply and assume that there is initiative shown, there is planning that has happened. For no one builds a building without thinking about how to establish the foundations and, and build the structures and furnish it. No one farms without thinking about when's the right time to plant seeds and water and harvest. There seems to me a strong biblical backing for coming up with a vision. And by that I mean for setting goals and making plans. For pushing ourselves to do better and more than we already are. Now, I have to admit, I never really saw this that clearly in the past. But as of June last year, I did. 
If you're wondering what happened June last year, it wasn't that I turned 39 or whatever. Uh, I went to a conference, right? You, a lot of you have heard about that, uh, Allstone Conference, and it really convinced me uh, about these things. Now, let, let's, let me try and spend, I guess, the next sort of 10, 15 minutes talking about the biblical basis for vision forming. Okay, so this is now point B, uh, what is it, 3B, okay? Now, to start with, we look at God. Good place to start, right? Look at God. And we're struck by the fact that God makes plans and he executes them. Now, for sure, it's not three to five year plans that he makes. It's plans that span from eternity past into the human time frame into eternity future. Ephesians 1, okay, is the first passage we read today, verse 3 to 14. Go home and read it again. You'll see that. From before the creation of the world, God had set aside plans, not set aside, he had uh, uh, formulated a plan to have Jesus be the center of his plans. And then we see that in human history, he executes those plans as he, he works through the nation of uh, Israel and, and finally in, in raising, in having his son Jesus be born into this world for him to, be, to die on the cross. And then his plans in our present where he works in us by his spirit to help us to come to know the gospel and believe and be saved. And to seal us with the Holy Spirit so as we look forward to our Glorious future, eternal inheritance. We say that God is a God who plans and makes promises and he executes and he fulfills. He is a guy with a vision. Okay? Now, the same can be said of Jesus and his ministry on earth. Now, Jesus had a mission to save sinful humanity. But then he had a three-year plan, right, to do it. Three-year ministry plan that began with him kind of revealing himself at his baptism and beginning his ministry, declaring the kingdom of God has come, and ending by dying on the cross. And if you read any of the Gospels, you will see that he was very deliberate about what he did and when he did it. Also, that he will fulfill his mission to die on the cross. There is a plan that Jesus had in place. Now, when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he gave his apostles the mission of making disciples. We heard all about that two weeks ago, the same mission that we all have. Summarized for us in Matthew 28, uh, verse 18 to 20, right? You looked at that. But at at the ascension of Jesus, uh, in a way, Jesus gave, uh, as he gave the mission to the apostles, they all came up, in a way, with their own plan. Yes, guided and driven by God's purposes, but they had their own plans nevertheless, Right? Now, the book of Acts tells us about the ministry of the two most prominent apostles, Apostle Peter and Apostle Paul. In carrying out the same mission, Peter and Paul had different plans. In our way of speaking today, different visions. Peter stayed largely around Jerusalem to minister among the Jews, and Paul would travel great distances to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Not just to the Gentiles, but predominantly to the Gentiles. Now, with Paul especially, we get to find out heaps of details about his plans because uh, the, the, the bulk of, uh, of Acts reveals that and all of his letters tell us about his plans. I want to show you Romans 15 in particular, okay? Verse 18 to 21. This is Paul writing to the Roman church. For I will not venture to speak of anything except Christ, what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem... And all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not 
where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never told of uh, who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Now I won't I won't pour through the whole passage there. There's quite a bit there, but it's clear his mission is to make disciples of all nations, right? Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. But his vision, the particular way he will go about doing things, is to preach the gospel where Christ has yet not been made known. Right? He's trying to break new ground for the gospel. And this vision drove Paul to three missionary journeys right? that's recorded for us in Acts. And in the letter of Romans, he tells of how he wants to get to Rome eventually so that he can go further out west to Spain, where the gospel had not yet gone out, right? Paul's vision was to break new ground for the gospel. Now, read the book of Acts for yourself. We did it last year, so you can listen to the sermon series if you want. And you'll see over and over again that Paul had a deliberate strategy for going about his mission to preach the gospel. But it's also clear that it is simply Paul's vision. But it was still subject to God's will, right? It was Paul's strategy, but at the same time, God's sovereign intervention meant that Paul changed his plans once in a while, right? He changed his plans once in a while. His vision wasn't God-given. It was his strategy, his plan. God's sovereign, and he shaped Paul eventually to do what God wanted him to do. Now, also at times, opposition forced Paul to change his plans. And yet Paul kept making plans, didn't he? Paul maintained a vision to achieve the mission. He kept uh, wanting to preach the gospel. He never made it to Spain as much as he wanted to because he was imprisoned in Rome and he died there. God, Jesus, the apostles. We can also go to other parts of Scripture. For instance, the wisdom literature. Many of you who read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes will know that planning and purposeful living is part of wisdom, wise living, is part of being godly. So let me throw you a few verses, right? Proverbs 21.5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Good Asian verse, that one. Proverbs 24.27. Prepare your work outside, get everything ready for yourself in the field. And after that, build your house. Have a blueprint. Get all your materials sorted before you start building. Then Ecclesiastes 11, 1 6. Let me read it again, right? I love this. It's a beautiful passage. Uh, Cast your breads upon the water, for you'll find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes, sorry, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes uh, to the bones of the womb uh, of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. So, in the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Now, we could spend half an hour on this passage, firstly having to explain the very high-level English, um, but it's just a very interesting perspective on life. Uh, with this, Ecclesiastes is a very bleak book, okay, if you haven't read it yet. It's trying to look at life as if God wasn't going to reveal anything special, right? No Jesus, no will, just trying to figure out 
right? Pagan living or, or, or what you might call, um, uh, what's that word? It's blank now. Secular, right? Secularism. Just thinking of the world as it is. And it's quite bleak. But even with the bleak perspective of humanity that Ecclesiastes has, it affirms right, the need for us to make plans and to take chances. Cast your bread upon the waters. Plant seven, maybe eight. You never know the harvest that you'll get. If you don't sow seeds, you won't get a harvest. Is pretty much what it's saying here. At the same time, what it's saying here is that we're reminded that God is sovereign and that God's plans will stand. As we sow, as we plan, God may and indeed will sometimes fulfill them in his timing and his ways. Because God often chooses to work through our plans. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And that is particularly true for his children, for Christians, for a church on mission. You see, the Bible constantly teaches the wisdom of making wise plans and diligence to see them through. It also teaches us that the wisest plans are those that are in line with God's plans which he has revealed to us in his word. In other words, the Bible commends vision forming. Right? Vision forming. However, our vision must seek to pursue God's mission for it to have any chance of bearing fruit. And may I add that it needs to be in line with the values, the principles and standards that the word of God tells us. Now, this is obviously applicable for a church, but it's also applicable for your personal life. Right? This is a vision sermon for SLE Church and those who attend, but hopefully you can see the relevance of these teachings even for your own day-to-day life. Now, from these biblical truths, we can draw out three very practical reasons for vision setting. Right? Three very important and practical reasons for vision setting for us as SLE Church. And the first is clarity. Having a vision of what SLE Church is to become in the next three to five years helps us to focus, right? That's what clarity is, isn't it? Having clear goals guides our decision-making on how to invest our finite resources. There are only so many of us, right? We are a community that has a huge turnover because of the international nature. Every four years, about half the church changes. And we've got to take that into account. We have a limited amount of time and energy and money and giftings and opportunities for us to use. Having clarity gives us confidence to know what and when to say yes or no to all of the possible things that we could be doing. The mission is broad and the way to achieve it is many, but we are limited. So clarity helps us to know what to say yes and what to say no to. Not every could be, should be, right? Not everything that could be done, should be done. Now the same scenario gets played out at the end of every year for most churches and community groups and cell groups around the world, right? At the end of the year, or if they are organized at the beginning of the year before, or the middle of the year before, the, the leaders kind of get together and say, what should we do next year? Should we focus on outreach or or training or or prayer or fellowship? Uh, What should our teaching program consist of and why? 
Right? What kind of study should we use? Should we write our own? Should we use some publisher? What kind of materials? Should we do expository preaching and, and, and Bible studies or, or topical or, or theological? Or What events should we do that we've been doing this year and last year? Should we have a camp? Should we have a mission team? Should we have more social justice awareness? Should we go to the prisons and do prison ministry? Maybe more work with the refugees or the homeless? You see, when there is clarity of vision, these decisions are a lot simpler to make. Because as I said, there are so many things we could do. But what are we to do as SLE Church? Now, having a vision also helps us with effectiveness. That's the second point, right? Effectiveness. A clear vision unites us to do the mission together as a church. And the more of us doing the same thing together, the more effective things will be. It helps us to achieve the aims of Ephesians 4, where Paul says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined uh, and held together by every joint by, uh, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Right? Paul wants the whole body to be joined together, working well together, working properly together to build it up together. Now, my experience growing up in churches, and I've been to quite a few, has for the most part not been like that. This has not really been my experience where people are really united and working together effectively. My experience of the various churches I've been to is fragmentation, right? Even division. Right? Fragmentation sounds sort of negative. Division is bad, right? Uh, groups are doing their own thing. Uh, best, okay, the best versions is that uh, they all sought, right, the different elements of the church to do God's mission in their own way, right? Uh, at, at worst, they competed with each other, they criticized each other, they judged each other, and they divided from each other. I remember being in youth groups and young adult groups where the leaders there were deliberately criticizing and teaching things that were contrary to what the pastors and elders were teaching. Right? There's a ground movement of rebellion. I have been to churches where from the pulpit, the pastor will call out ministries and leaders to criticize them for the way that they teach and the way they behave to the whole congregation on a Sunday morning. Needless to say, my family didn't stay in those churches too long. It just seemed like such a toxic environment. I remember church board meetings where opposing desires and plans were so strong that not only were decisions left at an impasse, but hurtful words were said and people left discouraged and broken. And maybe even some have left the faith because of how terrible those experiences were. There's very little effectiveness, fruitfulness. There's no building and growing when things are like this. God is not glorified and the mission will fail. So Paul appealed to the Corinthians. He appeals to us. I appeal to you, brothers. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you are united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, first and foremost, this unity is in the mission. Correct? It's in the mission. 
And there's a unity implied in the values. The word of God, prayer, discipleship, welcome, community. But in no small part, I believe that having a unity of vision as SLE Church, as our distinctive body, will go a long, long way to be able to effective, be effective in God's mission. If we all band together behind a vision, we can have a unity that will be productive and God-glorifying. A vision can unite us to be effective. Right, so that's point one about effectiveness. Unites us as a church. Now, the second point about effectiveness is to have an aspirational vision. Right, aspirational vision that can challenge us to be even more effective than we currently are. Now, aspirational is a big word. It's a five syllable, probably the longest word you might use today. Uh, and by aspirational, I just mean think big. Right? Be ambitious. To be aspirational is to push ourselves to go beyond the status quo. Uh, it forces us to move out of our comfort zones and really work hard in the work of God's mission. Now, Jesus says these words about the mission field. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The mission is great. Harvest is plentiful. And over and over, we are reminded in scriptures, we're drawing nearer day by day to Jesus' return. We are those who believe in judgment day, do we not? We know what comes after judgment day. It's an eternity of eternal separation from God. Hell, that four-letter dreaded word that no one likes to say or hear. And we know that the time to repent and believe is now. The time to repent and believe is now. Now is not the time to rest in our own salvation and not worry about other people. Now is not the time to be complacent or lukewarm or distracted or lazy. We have to be the opposite of those things. We have to be determined and on fire and focused and hardworking. You see, an aspirational vision drives us to be more effective. It pushes us out of our comfort zones. It is for us to not be content to be in cruise control, but to know that now's the time to put our pedal to the metal, accelerate, keep pressing, go faster as much as we can. Now, even as I say these words, it feels so uncomfortable saying it. I like comfortable. Right? I'm not saying this to you because I'm some very driven guy. Now, many of you know me. I'm, I'm not that kind of guy, right? And, you know, Dinesh, last year you met, oh, I met him at church camp. He's that kind of guy. Right? And just being around his presence tires me. Right? <laughs> you know? He's so frantic. He's so much energy. He's so push, push, push. Right? Set up a Bible college. Right? Fund it halfway. Uh, you know, Send up people to, to, to minister, right? Grow the church from 40 to 600, right, in four years. Plant churches throughout uh, Asia. See where he can help serve. And I'm like, oh, man, Dinesh, chill. And then he tells me, oh, you know, you should do the same, or at least similar. And I'm not telling you to do the same, right? So I'm making you feel like I'm Dinesh, right? But I'm not. I, I'm me, and I believe that I can't be complacent and comfortable that I have to try to be more determined and on fire, focused and hard working. And I'm asking whether you'll join me as we go on this journey together, whether you'll be willing to put in a bit more energy, maybe a lot more energy, 
more time, more money, more thought. To put aside our personal desires and pursuits. Uh, and to get into it. Into God's mission. Now this we'll do if we are convinced that God's mission is our mission. And this is the reason why we are spending so much time in this series. Because this vision will just fizzle to nothing if we're not convinced by the mission that we are on. Effectiveness. Now the final practical reason is a short one. Accountability. Right? Accountability. Having a vision for what we want to be and what we want to achieve gives us all accountability. If our vision truly reflects God's mission and our values, then rightly and helpfully, our vision will be, as the business world says, our KPIs, right? Our key performance indicators. It will be something to measure our progress with, where we can analyze and assess how faithful and how fruitful we have been through the years. We can account for the resources God has blessed and entrusted us with. Now, one of our greatest hopes if you're genuine servants of God is to hear him say these wonderful words to us at the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now, as a personal kind of uh, verse, it's beautiful on a one-to-one level between us and God. But it applies also for us as a church, as a community, for us to be called the good and faithful church, servants of the gospel, servants of God. See, at the end of the day, it is not just us individually that have to give an account. It's us as a church as well, don't we? And the vision helps us to ask ourselves and as a church, are we being faithful with the little that God has given us now? Are we using all that God has given us in the best possible way? Now, where to from here? Two things. Easy to remember, they start with P. Right, the first is pray. The first thing that I would want us to do is pray. For we know and we are convinced, I hope, that unless God causes the growth, we will plant and water in vain. Unless our plans are according to His will and His purposes, uh, they will not succeed, but if they are, they will. So pray. And you don't have to be a member of this church to pray. Remember or not, you can pray. And I want to say you must pray. Because we rely on God for all things. If you are a Christian, then by definition you are a part of the body of Christ. You are part of this church. You are a disciple in the mission of God. So pray to the God of the harvest to send out more workers into the field to help us to do our work better. You know, we've got to keep remembering that we... We, we live as mortal people, uh, human finite, but we serve a sovereign God. It is he who establishes our steps. It is he who causes growth, so let's pray. I want to do that now. Now, we're not too late in the service, and we never do this, so I'm going to do it. We're going to have an uh, impromptu prayer meeting right now. Uh, and I want us to pray with the person next to us, just for two or three minutes. Uh, I know at the end of the service... Uh, Brian will encourage you to stay behind and chat and pray, but that many of you won't for different reasons, good and bad, okay? Um, so why not do it now? Two or three minutes, try where you are with the person beside you, if you're comfortable. If you're not a member of the church, you're not a Christian, uh, maybe don't worry about it, right? Just think about it. But if you are comfortable to pray with the person beside you, pray. In light of what you've heard, two or three sentences, doesn't have to be long, 
pray about pray for SLE Church, and then pray for yourself. Because the next point we're going to talk about is how you can be a partner in this work. Okay? So I'm going to come back in about three minutes uh, to, to, to wrap up this sermon with our last application point, uh, and then we'll sing our song of response. So let's pray. Now, our final point is partner, right? to be in partnership with each other, to be in partnership together as an entire church, together seeking the unity to grow the body of Christ to the glory of God as we go about the work of bringing others to Christ and growing them in Christ. Now, this first word of partnership is another P word, uh, is to participate. Right? Participate in this vision process. So if you're a member of this church, then think hard. Right? I know some groups have already started doing this and, and, and doing those surveys and having discussions, but continue to think hard about what we as a church ought to value and then what kind of vision we ought to pursue. And if you're not a member, as I said at the beginning, then think about becoming a member. If you can be committed to our church in the medium to long term, then why not sign up? And because only members who sign up can actually vote on these things, right? So sign up and get into it. Um, second P under this partnership is to pursue the vision together when it is formed. Now, the vision will be formed in a, ne- in a month's time. Uh, it will be clear and it will be specific. And hopefully, it will be both realistic and aspirational, right? We're not going to uh, chase a rainbow that can never be found. We need to be realistic about what we can do as a church. But as I mentioned before, we want to be aspirational as well. Uh, the vision will be a result of the conviction and the guidance of the pastors and leaders of the church, as well as the feedback and the desires of all of the members. It will hopefully, under God, be a true expression of what our church really wants to do, right? What we really believe God wants us to be in the next three to five years. Now, whether this vision entirely aligns with your personal desires or not, can we make a commitment to get behind it, right? There are, I think, 80 members in our church, 80 opinions. We can't entirely match exactly, but we can pursue a common vision, right, for the greater good. You can still pursue your own personal vision in your own time, but get behind the one that we form, the one that you form together as a church. Now, this doesn't mean there won't be discussions or even disagreements as we implement the vision, right? We, uh, the vision is not God's will for us explicitly, so there can be discussion and disagreements. But I think for the most part, we must avoid constantly pursuing objections we must not be contrarian and skeptical and pessimistic at every turn. Instead, I hope we can be wholehearted, right, as we, as we can, to seek the most of every opportunity and every situation, to make it work as best as we can. And if it's clear after a period of time that it's not going to work well, our vision is not set in stone, we can change it. But while it's there in place, I really hope that we can unite together and pursue it together as a church. Now, we really do have so much to thank God for at at, at SLE Church. As part of this MVV process, it requires for us to think about where we've come from. And and we've heard over the years many stories about how this church has blessed many people, not just in Brisbane, but around the world. For many decades, we have existed, uh, and we have, I think, uh, been used by God in God-glorifying ways. Sure, not perfect, and sure, there are issues along the way, but for the most part, 
I think many of us can thank God for SLE Church. There have been many faithful brothers and sisters who have been serving the mission of God. What we are saying now is that God willing, this will continue. And it will be even better as we continue on this mission. Through this MVV process, our hope is that God will fulfill his mission in and through us in greater ways. To be both faithful, growingly faithful, and fruitful. Now, as we finalize this process in the coming weeks, let us pray that it will give us greater clarity and effectiveness and accountability as we go about God's work. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you give us a mission to do. And this mission is directly uh, flowing out from your purposes for our existence the purposes which you had established before even the creation of this world, the purposes which you have so clearly revealed through the life, death, and resurrection of your Son, the purposes revealed through your Word that tells us what is your work for us to do here on earth as we wait for Jesus' return. We thank you for this opportunity as a church to go through this MVV process, and we pray now that there will be really faithful and fruitful outcomes that flow out of it, that the members of this church will take seriously our work of thinking about what we want to achieve and what we want to become in the next three to five years. That will be prayerful and in partnership as we pursue this vision. That you'll give us great wisdom and energy. And that you'll give us great love for each other and for the people that we serve. We thank you that we can do this because of your grace. Because of your sovereignty. And we pray that you will really bless us. For your glory we pray. In Jesus' name.